It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, August 21st, 2020. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. Schlinkett master carver Tommy Joseph is prolific. He's created nearly 20 totem poles in Sitka alone, not to mention his work around southeast and in other parts of the state and country. His latest project is a reproduction of the Wasgo Pole for Sitka National Historical Park. KCAW's Aaron McKinstry headed to Joseph's workshop in the park to learn more about him and the project. When I arrive, Tommy Joseph holds out a realistic wooden fist on a six-foot pole. He gives me a socially distanced fist pump. Then he gets to work inside a roped-off shed, tucked behind Totem Hall at the Sitka National Historical Park. Joseph uses a curved tool called an elbow adze to smooth and peel away bits of wood from a yellow cedar log. He's still in the early stages of transforming the log into a 23-foot totem pole. Like this, this whole you see what I, in front of us here, the, the raw log. This is this is the work part. It's been a lot of work to get to here, but uh, tomorrow I'll, I'll actually start drawing the lines in, and the work stops here tonight. I, it doesn't become work anymore. Now it's now it's being creative and and matching up and making the lines flow and connect and do what they're supposed to do. Joseph is working on the park's second reproduction of the Wasco Pole, which tells the story of a Haida legend. The park no longer has the original. Park records indicate that it came to Sitka around the turn of the century from Quinglas, a Kaigani Haida village on Long Island in southern southeast Alaska. Territorial Governor John Brady placed the pole and several others along the park's present-day totem trail. Carver George Benson then created a reproduction in the 30s that was moved inside Totem Hall after it fell and suffered damages in the 90s. Sitka National Historical Park's Jessica Perkins says they want to place Joseph's reproduction outside, where the original once stood. This Wasco pole is one of the few that currently is not along the trail, and so therefore this is part of a larger effort to restore that historic cultural landscape. Perkins says park staff have been reaching out to Haida communities to make sure the park's history of the pole is accurate. It's a new effort to make sure Haida culture is appropriately represented along Totem Trail. And so I'm really excited to, to be able to, to share the whole story, to make sure we've got the whole story of the pole and that we're representing that um, completely. And she says the park is excited to work with Joseph again. This isn't his first pole for the park. During a typical summer, they'd have artists working in the visitor center, but they're closed because of the pandemic. Joseph's outdoor studio allows the public to observe an experienced carver from a safe distance. And experienced, he is. Joseph started carving in 1972. Third grade was my first opportunity to work with a, a knife on a piece of wood. And, and I liked it and kept doing it and have every opportunity to be around carvers. When I was a kid, I... I would hang out. I was one of the quietest kids around, but I, I, I just observe and watch a lot. Yeah. And then go do it. Go yeah. home and try to do it. What do you love about it? Well, taking a big raw piece of wood and turning it into something, that's, that's pretty cool. He's happy to be out of the house and working during the pandemic, which threw a wrench in some of his other projects. And this isn't the only way he's channeling his energy right now. He's also been carving politically satirical masks and working on a 20-foot dugout canoe. Joseph says it's a good balance of realism and satire. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Erin McKinstry.
A Canadian mining company has expanded its efforts to explore a potential hard rock gold deposit near Juno's Herbert Glacier. The area has been laid bare in recent decades by retreating ice. Grand Portage Resources has been drilling on its federal mining claims in the Tongass National Forest on and off since 2010. The company's CEO, Ian Clausen, says shares sold to investors have allowed the company to ramp up drilling core samples from several gold quartz veins this summer. This season's looking a little different than previous years because we have two drill rigs operating uh, on the Herbert Gold Project. Uh, we started drilling uh, in the first week of July, and uh, both rigs will now uh, be running probably until mid to the end of September. It's not the only difference this year. The outbreak of COVID-19 has meant extra precautions for bringing drilling crews to the area. The mining sector is classified as essential in Alaska, provided a COVID-19 protocol is filed with the state. Clausen says his team's footprint has been minimal. We do operate in a very small bubble. Uh, our team uh, works very cohesively. Uh, they travel together, they eat together. Uh, the, the, the actual drill crews operate on a two times 12 hour uh, schedule so you know they get flown out to the site where the drill pad is uh, don't interact with anybody other than the helicopter pilot and come back and uh, you know at the end of a 12-hour shift you're pretty exhausted so you go right to bed. Grand Portage of Vancouver BC is what's known as a junior mining firm that explores for gold. It's courting a larger partner with the resources to develop a gold mine. Schools will soon be starting up part-time in Petersburg, and that means some parents are looking for childcare to fill in the gaps. But what do they do when many local daycares are full? As KFSK's Angela Denning reports, some concerned residents have come together to identify families in need of childcare and how to help them get it. For parents who work but cannot work from home, part-time school for children can be a dire situation, say volunteers trying to help local families. Heather Kahn is the liaison of the group. She also happens to be the principal of the local elementary school. School, for the most part, in previous years, has taken a good chunk of a child's day from 8 to 3 o'clock. And parents haven't always relied on uh, child care programs to supplement that. Childcare needs are changing for some families this year with the part-time school schedule. Khan says through school surveys, the volunteer group has identified at least eight children in need of new childcare and 16 adults who need help paying for it. To add on top of what we're already experiencing for COVID, but to add another expense to them, it, it could be a do or die situation for them. It could mean, are we putting food on our table tonight? Or are we paying for our child's child care? The Petersburg Community Foundation is facilitating the group's meetings. Joni Johnson is the foundation's program manager, and she says they're trying to raise awareness in the community. We're trying to increase communication and figure out what needs are. You know, it's, it's really important that the entire community is aware of this. There are several layers to the pandemic that are affecting childcare. Some parents have employers who have helped them find work-at-home solutions to the changing school schedule. But for others, it can be more complicated. I think as a parent, too, it's hard to express your need for support with your kids in your workplace. Katie Holmland is another concerned community member in the childcare group. She wears a lot of hats. She's with the elementary school's Partners in Education, 
She's on the district's school board, and she's a teacher with the after-school program, Kinderskog. Getting this message out there will hopefully make some people realize that they're not like alone in this whole situation. There are currently three local child care centers that serve school-aged children from kindergarten through fifth grade. Petersburg Children's Center's Eagles Nest Program, Kinderskog, and Serendipity Academy. The academy is a new full-time daycare for school-aged kids located downstairs in the Lutheran Church. Director Michael and Coyle says they are still working out schedules for children depending on their need. Homeland says Serendipity's new academy should help alleviate some of the child care needs. Super thankful that that program is running now because it is another great spot for for kids to be going so they're not just by themselves at home or wandering around Petersburg with all of the bears um, alone. Combined, the three child care centers have about 60 slots for kids. Some of the programs are already full. However, Khan still encourages parents to add their children to the wait lists because those lists are constantly changing. The Children's Center, Serendipity, and Kinderskog are working closely with parents and making those contacts. I'm sure if you put your name on the list, you are on that list for them to contact. So no need to panic as we say the word full. Another curveball for some parents this fall is that the local Head Start Preschool which usually cares for about 20 children ages 3 to 5, is going to be distance learning only through December. The school hopes to start distance school for those students on September 22nd. Besides helping families find child care, the volunteer group is also seeking to help families financially. The group intends to ask the Petersburg Borough for $50,000 of federal CARES Act funding it received and distribute the money to needy families through credits for child care. Petersburg Mental Health Services and Partners in Education are both going after grants for the group as well. Johnson says now that they have started to identify the kids who need child care and what capacity is at the local centers, the next step is community outreach. Outreach to churches to, you know, encourage families to co-op. As many different resources as we can pull to bear to support these families with younger kids, the better off we are. Besides the individuals volunteering and the daycares involved, the child care group also includes Petersburg Mental Health Services and the SHARE Coalition. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. Taking a look at the community calendar. Sitka Health Summit Coalition's monthly health networking and learning meeting is at noon today via Zoom. The meeting aims to spark partnerships and promote cross-sector collaboration, learning, and networking to improve well-being in Sitka. For more information, go to sitkahealthsummit.org. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.